Welcome to Nurturing Bright Futures, the higher education podcast for teachers and advisors, brought to you by UEA. Each month, we provide the latest information you need to guide your students through their journey to university, plus hints and tips to help support you in your work. We know you're busy, so we keep each episode to around 20 minutes, just long enough for a cup of coffee. So, pop the kettle on and let's get started. Hello and welcome to Nurturing Bright Futures, the HE podcast from UEA. This month we're going to be looking at our new liberal arts course, um, but first of all, I'm delighted to welcome back Lauren. Um, it'll be a familiar voice for some of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while now. Hi, Lauren. Hi. So, <laughs> nice Lauren, to you've be been back. off on a, on a bit of a break, but you are back now and covering the south of England. Yes. Uh, yes, had a little bit of time off after my wedding last year and then for some travelling, but yes, delighted to be back and to be joining you on the podcast as well. It's Excellent. a long time since I've uh, done one of these but it's great. So we are going to talk a bit about some of the issues that are cropping up with COVID at the moment and one we've heard a lot about from teachers is the work experience. So obviously a lot of students will be having their planned work experience cancelled. Have you got any advice you can give us on what teachers can advise those students? Yeah so uh, obviously there's there's a lot of things that's going to be different going forward but there are still lots of things that students could be doing um, virtually or from home wider reading to prepare themselves for their course is a, is, is a big one. I'm sure lots of students would have been doing this anyway, but it is probably one of the things that admissions teams are going to be looking at now because it is one of the things that they can do themselves. So keeping up to date with the news is another one, reading news articles, current affairs, but also academic journals, and making sure that they are fully aware of what's going to be expected of them on their course and that they already have a really good understanding of it. So that's something that students can definitely be doing. Things like taster lectures as well would yeah, count for that. Yeah, of course. Any webinars that universities are offering, whether that's the general uh, webinars on finance or personal statements, which would also give you lots of other tips like we are now, but taster lectures where you can listen to academics who are talking about the courses that you're interested in. Lots of things like that. That's going to be really, really helpful. So any doing any activities that's going to give you a really good understanding of your course or subject area is a good idea, definitely. Brilliant. And you mentioned briefly there virtual events. These will be a new thing for a lot of people. Are you able to tell us a bit more about those and, and what people should be doing to prepare for them? Yeah, so... Lots of universities and other kind of education institutions now are moving all of their offerings online. So things like summer schools, which would normally you would go to the university or one of the universities that you're interested in and you might stay on campus and meet other people, but they are still offering these things as an online alternative. And this is, again, something that you could write in your personal statement. Um, if you do attend a virtual summer school or things like virtual open days, they're definitely going to be going to give you a really good idea of what university is like, even though it's online um, and you wouldn't have kind of the same experience as you would in person. You'll still be able to speak to students who are actually studying on the course that you're interested in. You can have tours of accommodation, tours of university campuses. So it's still a really good idea to take part in these things. 
and they're going to be really valuable. And universities are doing everything they can to make these events the best that they could be and give you all the information that you need. So um, I, they're definitely worth attending and doing a bit of research into the different options available. And for those students that perhaps don't know, they haven't got their shortlist of universities or you know, they're just not sure what, quite what they want to study yet. Have you got any pointers on what they can do to help narrow down their choices and come up with a bit of a shortlist? Yeah, of course. So the main piece of advice I would always give to students at this point is to think about what they enjoy and try not to feel pressured by other people and especially their friends. So what do you enjoy learning at the moment? Another thing to think about when you're trying to narrow it down to your university choices or your course, having a look at entrance requirements because for some courses you might have to be studying a specific subject during your A-levels or whatever qualification you're doing at the moment. So, for example, English literature at most universities you might have to have an English literature A-level or have English literature and language combined but be doing some kind of literature. For courses like medicine at some universities and particularly at UEA we look for biology but some med schools will look for biology and another science. So entrance requirements can change from course to course. So it's really, really important that you're doing lots of research into the entrance requirements to make sure you have got the, the right qualifications. Uh, and there's also lots of resources online that can help you to narrow it down to what course you would enjoy. One in particular that I really like is whatuni.com which gives you the opportunity to put in the subjects that you're studying and it comes up with different categories of, of what your subjects would, would be suitable for at degree level. It also it gives you the ones that you would be most suitable for and the ones that you might enjoy the most, but also um, it throws in a few curveballs as well, so some that you might never have considered. So I think that's a really good resource because it can help students to kind of think about different things even subjects that they might not have heard of before. And another thing to look out for is webinars about choosing a course and choosing a university. So we have some great ones coming up at UEA and they're all listed on our website. And they're really, really useful in giving you lots of advice and how to really think about not just a course, but which university might be the best one for you to attend as well. Nurturing Bright Futures, the higher education advice podcast for teachers and advisors. Brought to you by UEA. This week we are joined by Dr Francisco Costa and he's going to introduce us to the new liberal arts course that is going to start at UEA next year. Hi Francisco, can you tell us a little bit more about the liberal arts course? I can. So the, the course is launching in 2021-2022, so uh, next academic year. Um, and I would say it's it's I would describe it generally speaking as kind of a, a, an innovative and kind of challenging degree that is primarily aimed at students that want to kind of do their own uh, kind of bespoke almost bespoke course so have the versatility the the kind of the option to tailor and create their own uh, BA program. Um, the, 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 the degree cuts across different schools and faculties and overall subjects. So from arts and humanities, social sciences and sciences. So students can do subjects in um, all of these uh, areas or only in some or even in only on, on one of them. Um, so they can focus on whatever areas they want across these three kind of big subjects. 
So one of the key aspects, uh, I would say, is flexibility uh, and the opportunity to have both depth and breadth um, uh, when doing this course. So students will have a major specialist subject that they will um, undertake throughout the degree that will form kind of their major. Um, and then we'll have also the breadth, which will focus on the, the core modules that students will undertake, as well as the minor that they may choose to, to undertake. So a minor set specialist subject which can again be drawn from any of the areas uh, I mentioned previously. That sounds really interesting, almost American-like in structure with the major and the minor. It is very much, yeah. So the, the format is kind of, it's new or not completely new, but it's it's an, uh, being adapted in the UK over, over recent years. And it, it borrows kind of the, the same format. The major minor structure is very much like the American one. Um, and it's it's meant to respond to those students that want to have that optionality. So we have, for example, double honors, the courses which offer some uh, flexibility, but these is, is meant to take this further by allowing almost a complete uh, opportunity for students to create their own course from scratch. For anyone who's listening that doesn't really know much about liberal arts or how that would be structured, is there anything that you would say it's similar to? Or how does it vary? The the, the course structure um, and kind of the features and, and why it's similar and different. So there will be across the different years, um, so from year one to final year, uh, a set of core modules. Um, these core modules will take kind of uh, about, let's say, 20, 30 percent of, of the overall course structure. Um, and they are meant to kind of bring the entire cohort together and get them independently of the majors, minors they are doing to be able to think critically across fields. Um, so that's one of the, the key features. The students will have then the option to do the major, as I mentioned before. The major normally occupies around 50% of the degree and then the minor will correspond to the remaining credits. Another key feature, I would say, is that in the final year, students will be able to complete their own independent research project. Um, and the idea is that students will then bring, will bring in all the knowledge, all the skills, all the expertise they developed all through the, the first um, couple of years to create their own interdisciplinary project that aims to respond to the major and minors they have chosen. So I would say those are kind of uh, key features that uh, characterize our structure uh, of the program. The other thing I would say here is actually around the majors and minors. So students will be able to choose majors and minors across, you know, a, a wide, wide range of, of, of options from history to history of arts, media studies, American studies, drama, politics, philosophy, and so on, as well as sociology. And then on the sciences side, they can do artificial intelligence, for example, or maths. Yeah. Now, there is no requirement for any student that comes in to only choose to have to choose either sciences or social sciences. They can do just arts and humanities if they wish. But if they are students who are inclined to, you know, um, both areas or the three areas, uh, three kind of big subject areas I'm, I'm mentioning, they can then have the option to do that. Uh, but there's no requirement to have that knowledge as well. So to be a science student um, and come to do science, you can only come from a background of humanities and only do arts and humanities minors and majors. So they can basically span across lots and lots of different subjects. Um, they can, they fantastic. can. Yeah, um, yeah. So when you mentioned the, um, the project in third year, is that more of a dissertation style project so uh, a very uh, extended essay or is there opportunities to do practical work as well there is so the 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 project the final year project is meant to kind of 
drawn, we kind of conceived and, and um, outlined in creative drawing on the students' areas of expertise. So the major and minor subject that they develop, they will have uh, an assigned um, co-supervisor and a, a, a primary supervisor working with them, which will come from these subjects. Um, and they, they will work on kind of conceiving, creating this project. Um, alongside these more kind of academic focused projects, students will also have then the opportunity to do a more practical one. So the course includes two other variants in addition to the three years one, which is the, the liberal arts with a year abroad and liberal arts with a placement year. And I think this is where either of these options offer other opportunities that um, this final year project is primarily focused to address the more academic kind of uh, inclined students in a way. With relation to the year abroad, if I may talk briefly about what's different about those two variants. So the year abroad, as we just said at the start, being drawn from the model that is uh, typically American, um, there's a variety of, of year abroad hosts in, in the US um, that uh, UEA has partnerships with and, and which will be ideal and a perfect match for liberal arts students to engage and, and kind of uh, apply to go into take the year abroad there. We also have partners in Europe and Australasia, which students can also benefit from uh, because we start seeing liberal arts popping up across the world much more frequently as kind of a, a very popular type of, of degree. So the year abroad is meant to be kind of this initial feature in the year abroad uh, variant. If students choose to go on the year abroad, they apply during year two and then they go during year three. One key aspect here is that students will still maintain regular contact with their academic advisor here at UEA. And then while abroad, they will be able to integrate fully into the life of the host institution, as well as develop their major or actually explore completely new interests if they wish. Then for the placement year, so coming back to the more practical side that you were asking at the start of the question, the idea is to provide students with a, a valuable insight into real world jobs and, and uh, apply the knowledge they develop over the first two years into practice. So like the year abroad, they do the year in placement in their year three. So they apply in year two, they find their placement, which can be across public, private or voluntary sectors. And then they will have the opportunity to uh, go on placement, test their career options, hone their skills and gain kind of first knowledge um, of the way in which the, their chosen field operates. All through these, the same thing as before, they will have the support of the academic team supporting them in this year as well. So then when they come back in, in their final year, then they will do the major, do the minor, have the same flexibility, and then finally kind of undertake their final year independent research project, which can be created and, and come from their previous experience if they have gone, for example, on a year abroad or on a placement year. So there's lots and lots of opportunities available as they go on. It, as you said, the, if they did a placement year or a study abroad, that would mean they're doing a four-year course overall. That's correct, yeah. If students applied for the three-year course and then they have started the course and they decide later that they'd like to do a study abroad year or a placement year, is that something that they would... That's that's possible. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a possibility. So students will have the option, let's say that they start on the three year um, variant and they in the in the sometime in the first, second year at the start would like to request a transfer in, into the 
four-year variant, they can absolutely do that. And the same thing with other students doing, for example, coming in through the four-year variant and then at some point deciding, I actually don't want to go and do a placement or do the year abroad and like to revert back to the three-year option. They can do that as well. Okay, that sounds good. And I also just wanted to ask about assessment methods. So as the students progress through in their first year, second year, third year, um, how are they assessed on the liberal arts course? The, the question of assessment is one that uh, students will encounter a, a, a very diverse range of assessments when doing liberal arts. And the issue is, uh, the not the issue, but the, 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 the question here has to do with the fact that they are doing so many different subjects or have the option to do so many different subjects that they might encounter coursework type of assessments, presentations, screencasts, um, um, and other kind of, of, of assessments. For example, in arts and humanities, we know that the focus is very much on um, essay writing and kind of essay focused types of assessments. If it's more social sciences, similar as well, but sciences, for example, have a more kind of exam focused um, yeah. approach to assessment. So it will really depend very much on, on the pathways that students choose, so the major and minors. But the, the one thing I would say here is that the, the core modules, so the students will have these core modules guiding them through the, the whole program, is meant to familiarize and support the students to be able to work across all these different subjects and respond and engage and be able to do their best in their assessments independently of, of, of what format they take, basically. And I guess students can tailor their degree towards the types of assessment that they prefer as well. If they enjoy essay writing and coursework as they go through the years, they might lean more towards the modules or the minors that offer those types of assessments. Absolutely, um, yeah. So what would you say are the key selling points to the UEA liberal arts course specifically? I think that one of the, the first key selling points I would say is, has to do with cutting across three kind of big faculties. So arts and humanities, social sciences and sciences. So it's not, it's meant to offer this really whole range of optionality across the three faculties. And there are hundreds of possible combinations that students might choose to, to, to pursue. So in a way, by creating this program, we are harnessing kind of the best research-led teaching from the course across the university and bringing it all together and making it at the disposal of the students for them to tailor and create their own degree. The other thing is also because of these wide range of optionality, they will also encounter world-leading expertise, innovative teaching techniques across different faculties. And then one final key aspect has to do with the strong emphasis on pastoral support. So students will always have a home within the liberal arts team and have the support with the team there. Subscribe to our podcast now and make sure you never miss another episode. So for any of the teachers and advisors listening, what kind of student do you think would be suited to doing this degree? I think students that um, don't like being kind of restricted by normal kind of disciplinary boundaries, you know, so if you are just a student that likes, for example, just literature or likes literature and history or likes literature, history and politics, or, you know, there's students that share all these different interests. And these are the kind of students that would be ideal for for liberal arts programs. So students that are ambitious, versatile, that have, you know, these, these intellectual curiosity, curiosity and, and that do well in that sense when, when cutting across disciplines. These are the kind of students that would be ideal for to take liberal arts. I guess this is a very similar answer, but are there any subjects that you would recommend them to be studying at sixth form or college? I, honestly, I would say it, it depends on um, 
the pathways or the major minors students will do, but that's not meant to be restrictive. So the fact that we have majors and minors in arts and humanities, so ideally students will come with some arts and humanities background, so studying subjects within arts and humanities, but if they have uh, one A-level, for example, in sciences, and then they want to pursue science as well, they can then do that. So it's, it's really not restrictive in that sense. So I wouldn't advise, you know, any specific subjects it's meant to be really flexible and open and to allow that that flexibility. And so what kind of grades would you be looking for? The entry requirements for the program are um, AAB at the moment. And this is, again, to do with the kind of course it is. And because students will need to be very focused, very ambitious and very intellectually engaged to, to uh, do the liberal arts course. So once the students have finished their liberal arts course, what are the future career options for them? One thing we, we start seeing more and more, uh, and, and in recent studies, is that you know over the course of, of our lives, we, we tend to not remain into a single career and pursue that career for all our lives. And it is expected that you know over coming years, decades, people will actually uh, go through five or six different careers. And I think liberal arts is an ideal course for you know, this future that we are looking at, because students will have the ability and the adaptability to work across different subjects, to gain transferable skills that can be easily transferred from different kind of areas and sectors. And the breadth of experience and knowledge that they will have will allow them to kind of move across sectors. So I would say that uh, in terms of areas that students can then pursue in terms of career options, it can go from arts, culture, media industries to education, marketing, uh, technology, public service, humanitarian work. So the options are really, really diverse because of the, the type of skills that you develop by doing such an interdisciplinary and cross-disciplinary program. Excellent. So for students in particular that don't really know what direction they want to go in, but they have lots of different interests, this could be the perfect course. Absolutely. And, and that's something that we encounter as academics quite frequently. Students that yeah. come to, to EA and at some point they are really not sure if that's what they want to pursue, they want to pursue and then what career they want to, to pursue in the future. So liberal arts allows that flexibility. It's very much responding to that to allow students to tailor their own course, but also tailor their own skills to be easily transferable from sector to sector. Well, great. I think that's everything, Francisco. That was wonderful. And it sounds like an amazing course and I can't wait to kind of see it get up and running. Thank you very Thank much you. for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Email schools at uea.ac.uk to find out what we can do to support your school. Before we go, just to mention a few events we have coming up, especially for teachers and advisors. Firstly, our teacher conference has moved online, but is still taking place on Thursday the 4th and Friday the 5th of June. Features some great speakers. We've got Claire Marchant from UCAS there, Jim Tudor looking at future student trends. We're looking at transitions to higher education. There'll be a chance for a Q&A with admissions experts. So loads of great content there. If you haven't registered yet, it's not too late. Just Google UEA Teacher Conference and you'll find the sign-up form. Or if uh, you're listening to this after the date, you can log in and watch the recordings right up till the end of June. The second thing I wanted to mention is our teacher webinars. So we've got a number of these taking place throughout June. On the 16th, we've got advising your students on how to write a good personal statement. On the 18th, we've got one about writing UCAS references. 
And on the 24th, we've got admissions in the post-COVID landscape. So do tune into those if you can. There'll be, should be some really great sessions there and a chance to ask us all your questions. For details, go to uea.ac.uk forward slash study forward slash webinars. So that's it from the podcast for this academic year. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in September. So do email us schools at uea.ac.uk if there's anything you'd like us to include. That's it for this month's episode of Nurturing Bright Futures. We would absolutely love to hear from you. To book a visit, make a suggestion or ask us a question. Drop us a line at schools at uea.ac.uk. Thanks for joining us.